Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of surrender. Oswald Sanders in his book, Spiritual Leadership, opens his chapter on the search for leadership with this quote. Give me a man of God, one man, whose faith is master of his mind, and I will right all wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a man of God, one man, true to the vision that he sees, and I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The book of Ecclesiastes, penned by the son of David, reminds us that there is a time for everything. But does that include running away? Today, as he continues his look into the life of King David, Pastor Xavier explores the different seasons of life that often accompany the lives of those who truly surrender to the leading of God. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths and the continuation of a character study series of David. In our first study, we looked at David, the man, from three perspectives. We saw the shepherd tender. We saw the minstrel player and armor bearer. And then we saw the giant slayer. Now we want to study David, the man in exile, and begin by looking at the events that led to David's exile which reveal three things. First of all, God provided David with a loyal friend, Jonathan. That's the first thing that it reveals, these events. God provided a loyal friend, Jonathan. Secondly, God protected David from his enemy, Saul. Chapter 19. In the first eight verses... Saul declared openly to his son Jonathan and his servants to kill David. Notice how he gets more desperate and it gets progressive, right? He makes no bones about it now. Straight out. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted, delighted greatly in David. So verses 1 through 3, Jonathan told David to be on his guard. And to hide till he could speak to his father. Faithful friend, he warns his friend. That's his father. He's a king. Verse 4, Jonathan spoke well of David. And pleaded that he not sin against David, meaning his father. For David was a servant. And David had not sinned against him, but done only good. So Jonathan here is interceding for David on his behalf as a faithful friend. And then in verse 5, Jonathan pointed to his father that David had jeopardized his own life fighting the Philistines and that he himself was a witness to the Lord's deliverance through David. Why then would he sin against innocent blood without a cause, he tells him. It's kind of hard when you as a son have to reprove or confront your father. And you know he raised you. <laughs> Difficult. And yet if we love, whether it be father, mother, whoever it may be, we have to do it with honor, we have to do it with respect, we have to do it with love, we have to do it with being sensitive. But when we have to confront, we have to confront. It's so important that we do so. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs 18.24 says. Notice in verse 6-8 through 8 that Saul swore he would not kill David and Jonathan restored David to his position as in times past to defeat the Philistines. 
So again, Saul goes through these remorseful times. Kind of like many marriages. Where the guy or the wife will blow it and, and, and then it kind of just they smooth it out and okay. And, and it just goes for three or four months and then the explosion again, right? And it's just back and forth, back and forth. And nothing ever changes. Three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years go by and it's the same old story, right? But it gets worse. That's the same with Saul. Notice secondly from verse 9 to 17, Saul attempted to kill David once again. The distressing spirit came upon Saul as David played the lyre and he attempted to pin David to the wall with a spear, but David escaped. And so in verse 11 through 13, Saul sent men to kill David in the morning as he came out of his house. But Michael, his wife, warned David and urged him that if he did not escape that very night, he would be dead by morning. Look at verse 12. She let David down by the window. Verse 13, she placed an idol in David's bed to cover up his absence. Notice the relationships. Jonathan's confronting his father. Michael is aiding her husband against her father. But they're both absolutely biblical. Because what they're doing is absolutely righteous and right. And just. God help us that we would compromise with the closest of our relatives when we know something to be wrong. God help us. And sometimes the pressure's on, isn't it? It's like, hey, uncle, come on, go buy us some beer. No, I can't. Oh, come on. I can't buy you punks any beer. What's the matter with you? Can't compromise. And sometimes from, from family, we get pressure, right? That are non believers and they want us to, you know, come on, we're all going to be over in the family. Come on, can we bring some drinks? Come on, we'll just little bit. You, uh, the pressure's on. What do you do? You say, no, I really like it, but you know, I, I really can't. I'm sorry. Wow. Saul grew more desperate, verses 14 through 17, in his attempts. Saul sent messengers to take David, by, but Michael said he was sick. Only to have Saul command that they bring David in his very bed to kill him himself. <laughs> See how progressive his desperation becomes? This is just flagrant. This is just right out. There is no hiding it. Now, stop and think. Do you know anybody who walked with God and then progressively began to do a little compromise? Kind of hiding things and this and that. And then all of a sudden, pretty soon, it was just very brash and no even no attempt to cover it or anything. But the deception is because God continues to speak to them. Or perhaps even bless them, even or if they're in ministry or whatever. As they think that it, it's okay, they're the exception. God approves of their lifestyle. Oh, never. It's just as God's not in a hurry to settle his accounts. But he will. He will. When the messenger discovered the idol with the goat's hair, Saul asked Michael why she had deceived them and sent his enemy away. To which she declared that David told her that he would kill her. Notice the pressure she's in, okay? <laughs> That's her dad. Kids are all different in a family. You have those who are more confrontational and, they, and, and as difficult as it is, they, they deal with things and they confront things. And then there's others that try as they may, they can't. It just can't be like that. It's just not in them, their personality. 
and they always kind of just flow with things or they just kind of back off. Michael's probably like this, while Jonathan's the one who confronts things. A person who becomes insecure of his or her position or their person can only attack others to establish themselves or exalt themselves. Have you ever noticed that? A person who is striving against God will alienate himself from people systematically, one by one, and end up all alone. All alone. And they get the Elijah complex. I'm the only one. And God says, Amen, and I'm glad. You're all alone. Because they really don't help people. And notice thirdly, verses 18 through 24. Saul sent messengers to take David from Ramah, the home of Samuel. In verse 18, David knew Samuel was the one who anointed him. And he could have helped him out and given him some good counsel regarding Saul. Because Samuel knew of Saul's potential to kill. Remember back in chapter 16 verse 2 where God told Samuel to go down and anoint one of Jesse's sons as kings. And Samuel said, oh Lord, if he knows I'm going down, he'll kill me. And God says, well take a sacrifice and just invite him to the sacrifice. Samuel knew Saul's temperament. There are people who put up a good front. They're like Saul. And before the crowds, they're the greatest people. They're looked up to. But the few people that know them privately, they know different. It happens all the time, people. Worse when it's ministry-oriented. Jesus called them Pharisees and scribes, Sadducees. And he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. When a man gets so deceived that he really believes that he's a man of character or reputation because of the masses... Or because God is using him or her. While all along knowing that they are ungodly. They are truly deceived. Truly deceived. And they are on very dangerous ground. Unable to dispel the disease from their body. Giving evidence of the severity of their sickness. And deception. And so Saul sent messengers down to take David three times, verses 19 through 21. But God caused them to prophesy every time they came down, protecting David. God intervenes miraculously. It's so great as God intervenes. And as you walk through life, you will see God miraculously intervene for you if you will trust and depend upon God. He will intervene. Just this week, I was just studying and specifically here. He spoke to me very clearly. Just this issue I've been dealing with and all that. And, and God spoke very clear to me. Just rest in me. It was so great. I just, all right, Lord. <laughs> it was just so great. And he spoke to me as I'm studying David. He says, hey, look at David. Did I not take care of Saul for him? Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. It's all yours. <laughs> so good. Verse 22 through 24, Saul himself went down and God once again intervened. And God made Saul to prophesy. Now, if God is not intervening directly, boy, Saul should get the message. But does it? It doesn't affect him. 
We always think, well, if this will happen, maybe they'll turn. Now, hope to God it does. Hope to God that turns a person. But you know what? The longer you keep walking down that road, grieving God and doing your thing, the more harder it is to repent. The more difficult it is to turn. Remember, Pharaoh hardened his heart, right? And then it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. The first word, when Pharaoh hardens his heart, it says he made it stiff. He said, no. But the second word in the Hebrew means that God strengthened it. In other words, when you say no, God says, all right, I'll let you have your way. I'll strengthen you in that position so it gets harder next time. John's Gospel says they could not believe. It doesn't say they didn't want to believe. It said they could not believe any longer. The warning for the tribulation people is that he will give them over to the lie. And they will not be able to believe. Because they rejected the truth. Amazing. One day, St. Francis of Assisi was uh, confronted by a brother who asked him repeatedly, Why you? Why you? He declared that God had willed it so that God chose him because he could not find none more worthless. And he wished to confound nobility and grandeur, the strength, the beauty, and the learning of the world. <laughs> God protected David from the, his enemy Saul. People will say, why you? God's grace, God's mercy. That's all. No other reason. Notice third and last. God proclaimed the exile of David through his friend, Jonathan. Now, notice in chapter 20, verse 4 verses, the personal complaint of David is marked there. In verse 1, David fled from Samuel to Jonathan and asked what his sin was for which his father sought to take his life. What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father? David, you see his humanity, right? He's a little frustrated, right? I mean, this is going on constantly. In verse 2, Jonathan assured David that his father would do no such thing without first telling him. Now remember, Saul had told his son that he would not kill David. Probably, right? So Jonathan is moving on with this understanding. He's unaware of what's going on. But notice verse 3, David under oath told Jonathan that his father knew of their friendship. Therefore, he would not tell Jonathan and that there was but a step between him and death. Jonathan told David that he would do whatever he asked him. He got his attention. Verse 4. Here's a friend. Why could Jonathan trust David? Because Jonathan had spent time with David and he knew he was a man of character. He's not trying to malign or trying to slander his father. The two men knew each other. They knew they were men of truth. Notice secondly, verses 5 through 23. The plan of David. In verses 5 through 9, David proposed that they test Saul's response. He's, Jonathan just says, whatever you want me to do, what do you want me to do? So he says, let's do this plan. Let's check out your dad's response towards my absence from the king's table at the new moon. And tell him that I've gone to Bethlehem. And then Jonathan would come back and inform David. In verse 8, David proclaimed his innocence by being willing to let Jonathan kill him. If there was an equity in him. You know, I mean, you, you, you go ahead and kill me then. I mean, because if you take me before your father, that's what's going to happen. And in verse 9, Jonathan told David that he would warn him if his life was in danger. Faithfulness. 
through faithfulness. Now notice, in verses 10 through 23, David and Jonathan made an arrangement in the field on how David would be informed whether to flee or stay. So he told him to hide, and then he would come out with his archer, and he would tell the lad, you know, the arrow's over here, over there, and depending on what he said, that would be the response for David. They renewed their covenant in verse 16 that we've looked at before. And in verse 17, Jonathan caused David to vow, not because he doubted him, but because he loved David as his own soul. There is no suspicions, no doubt here. Now notice thirdly in verses 24 through 34, the plan is executed by Jonathan. David hid himself in the field in verse 24. Then in verse 25 down to 30, Jonathan tested his father's heart regarding David, only to find out his murderous anger towards David. On the second day. The first day, ah, where's David? Oh, he went that way. Oh, that's fine. But he got pretty mad the second day. And so, in verses 30 through 31, Saul told Jonathan two things. That he, in effect, was bringing shame to his mother by not taking his rightful place as the heir. But rather, choosing David, bringing suspicion as to his legitimate birth as his son and heir. And that's what really is implicated there when he says, um, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? It doesn't mean that his mother was a prostitute or anything else. It means that he's the next in line to the throne. And if he doesn't take his place, then people may say, well, isn't he his real son? Is he illegitimate? What? I mean, it's going to cause suspicion. And that's what the Hebrew indicates there. Now, secondly, he said that as long as David was alive, he nor his kingdom could be established in verse 31. Saul wants to do what is right as a father. He loves his son, and he wants the best for his son, but he's going about it the wrong way. When Saul knows the will of God, when you know the will of God, and you're going against the will of God, don't be foolish enough to think that you're going to win. And if you get away with it for a time, that's worse. Because the success will deceive you even greater. Verses 32 and 33, Jonathan asked why. And what had David done? Only to make his father cast a spear at him to kill him. Now he's really desperate, huh? How often we've seen this in society when relationships break down so much because of a father or a, or a son or whoever the fault is that they get so out of hand and so selfish and so self-centered and so whacked out of any accountability that they end up doing some real damage to relationships. That sometimes can never be reconciled. Verse 34, Jonathan rose in fierce anger and grief for David. Grief for David, not for himself. I like that. <laughs> Too often we're, we're grieved about ourselves. He's grieved for David because his father had treated him so shamefully. That's a friend. Oh, I'm sure he was disappointed in his father, but he wasn't feeling sorry for him or himself. But David, he's the innocent party here. To a person of character and integrity, the injustice by a person in power is evil enough. To a person who is related to the one committing the offense, it is doubly disturbing because having so close of a relationship, it's hard. 
Notice fourthly, the personal grief is given to us in verses 35 through 42. Jonathan gave the signal as planned. He spoke out the words to the lad. Is not the arrow beyond you? Indicating David's need to flee to exile. Verses 35 through 39. Then in verse 40 through 41, David arose from his hiding place. The lad was gone. Now he falls on his face to the ground, bowing down three times in respect and honor of Jonathan. And they wept together. But it says, but David more. Why? David was so appreciative of Jonathan's loyal friendship. He owed his life to him. Also, David was going to be removed from that faithful friendship. What do you do when somebody goes sees us off at the airport and we're leaving for a long time? Now, we don't cry when we're going for a weekend. <laughs> we can leave for a year or two. Or maybe an indefinite time. Cry. <laughs> you don't, you're a dog. You cry because you're leaving your loved ones. Those you care about, those you feel comfortable, those who are there to help you, those who you want to help. It's difficult. So Jonathan sent David away in peace. In verse 42, in view of the covenant they had made extending to their descendants. Their trust was based on God's promises, not on the situation or their feelings. Yet, they made the occasion very difficult. What made the occasion very difficult? Their emotions. Emotions will always make our decision and situations difficult for obedience. But God help you if you make your decisions based on your emotions. Or the circumstance or situation. You make your decision based on obedience on the word of God. Regardless of your emotions and your feelings. They'll catch up. Obey. They'll line up with the obedience afterwards. If you're waiting for your emotions or feelings to change. You'll never obey. You obey. We don't make decisions based on emotions. Oswald Sanders in his book entitled Spiritual Leadership opens this chapter on the search for leadership with this quote. Give me a man of God, one man, whose faith is master of his mind, and I will right all wrongs and bless the name of all mankind. Give me a man of God, one man, whose tongue is touched with heaven's fire, and I will flame the darkest hearts with high resolve and clean desire. Give me a man of God, one man, one mighty prophet of the Lord, and I will give you peace on earth, bought with prayers and not a sword. Give me a man of God, one man, true to the vision that he sees. And I will build your broken shrines and bring the nations to their knees. God proclaimed the exile of David through his friend Jonathan. These are the events that led to David's exile. And they reveal these three things. God provided David with a loyal friend, Jonathan. God will provide you loyal friends for the difficult times. God protected David from his enemy Saul. God will protect you from your enemies. God proclaimed the exile of David through his friend Jonathan. Perhaps one time God will have to warn you and proclaim for you to flee. And he'll do it through a friend. 
and it will be wisdom. And so, David, the man in exile. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating by way of David, God's hand of protection in troubled times. And you can get your own copy of today's message, David Part 2, on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is David Part 2, or simply mention today's date. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Where is God when your world falls apart? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com